Tonight we have a special treat. Sean is going to come and speak. For those of you who have not heard Sean, how many of you have never heard Sean? Raise your hands. Oh, yeah. This guy's humor is so dry, you may want to get a drink before he starts. But he is a guy who will make you laugh, and right in the middle of your laughter, he will sucker punch you with truth. So watch him. He is to be trusted. So let me pray over this guy. God, thanks for Sean. Thanks for all the powerful choices he's made that give him such incredible authority when he speaks the word. We just look forward to revelation to change us and transform us. And we open our hearts to you as sons and daughters. We take down every wall. Speak to our hearts and our spirits tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Am I on? Sweet. I managed not to turn the mic off with my buttock. I did that last time. Um, And I hate holding that thing because my hand gets tired. Um, But anyway, why am I preaching if there are so many pastors in the front row? It's out of control. Um, Last time time I spoke, um, I ended with this letter from God, right? It was, uh, it ushered in like a really great peace. Uh, you could feel it in the room because it was God's truth. Um, and what I really wanted to get to was this just sense that um, there are certain, certain things in life that if we can get these things into our life and live from them, uh, there's a lot more rest in life. And so tonight, I guess this is kind of a continuation, but not quite. Um, it's just something that I feel like if we truly understood this at a deeper level, it would impact every moment of our lives. Um, and really for uh, epic life, like some of, for us, some of us, this is church. Like um, sometimes I don't go to church, some t- on Sundays, heathen. Uh, other times other people miss. But I mean, and I, and I feel like uh, we talk about some great things, but sometimes we need to go back to the basics. And so tonight I want to talk about the cross. I want to talk about communion. And because um, and I, I feel like there are some things that uh, we haven't caught um, so when you think about the cross, and I've, I, like, I like to poll people on my messages. Like, I don't tell them I'm speaking, but I go around and ask them, like, questions and then judge them. No. And then I, I and then I, uh, and then I, because I, it, it's eye-opening. I, I think in a very different way. I love listening to my wife talk about stuff, because I, like, never think about that. Um, but for most people, when you think about the cross, uh, when, you, when we sit down to do communion, it's a very somber occasion, right? It's passion of the Christ in the mind. You're picturing him there. You're trying to feel uh, something. Um, and, and it's just a very sad occasion. And for me, that was uh, the truth for a long time. But at, one, at some point, a couple years ago, there was kind of a shift. I still get very, very tender and teary um, as I think about these things. But it's not from a place of, like, sadness. It's from a place of thankfulness. Because there's so much that happens at the cross. And I feel like if we uh, truly understood, like, the finished work, uh, there will be a lot more rest in our lives. Um, and it's just, it's the good news. Um, and it really, if you've been in church for even like a month, not even a month, like two weeks, someone will say the phrase, covered by the blood. It's like the, it's the Christian thing. And it's like the thing that you all have to accept as soon as you come in, that this is my, this is everything I've done and ever will do has been covered by what Christ has done. Um, and that's great. And that's huge. And that's ha- but that's half of it. Um, because we don't just do, when we do communion, we do not just have a wine party. Like, wine tasting, hanging out, and then go home. There's two parts to communion. And I feel like, uh, for many of us, we don't truly understand 
the body. Um, and so I want to talk through a little bit of um, Romans, which is clearly like my favorite. I don't even have like a white part at this point because Romans is just ridiculous. It's the best thing that's ever happened. But um, first I want to give a small, uh, I don't know if it's an analogy or a, I don't know how to, what it really is because I'm not good with English English. But um, the U.S. government decides prohibition starts tomorrow, right? No one's going to drink dry U.S., like my kind of dry. And so they go door to door, uh, breaking wine bottles, breaking empty wine bottles just in case there are miracles. They want nothing, uh, nothing to be left. Um, they come back a week later and they're foundered, foundered? flabbergasted, F word, um, and they... <laughs> Uh, they're just shocked by the fact that everybody has wine again. And, but the point is that if you go just to the houses and you don't deal with the source of the issue, um, you're still going to get beer guts and beer. I mean, you have to go, they would have to go to Budweiser, shut Budweiser down, like, and go to these factories. And I feel like, um, well, I know for a fact that when Christ dies for our sins, he's dealt with everything we've done and ever will do. But if we don't understand the body, we're not going to the source of the issue. Um, it's, it's almost as if, for me, um, for the longest time, my understanding of what Christ had done was that he had covered all my sins but left me to work out my salvation. And it was very, now you need to figure it out. And it, it's, it's, it's absolutely exhausting when you're, like, when you're trying to establish holiness in your life. Um, and I don't think that's really our role. Um, and so what I want to get at is, and I, as I kind of go through a bit of Romans, it'll make more sense. But the blood deals with, Christ's blood shed up for our sins is, is what deals with our sins. But the body is what deals with sin as a principle. And when you read through Romans, um, I don't know how I never saw this. This, this um, old Asian man from like the 30s, uh, wrote this down, and I, I like, I love anything he writes. Um, but essentially what he says is that uh, it's an amazing uh, revelation. Th the word sins is plural for a huge amount of Romans. It's like chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. There's plurality. Um, and it talks about, you know, and I'm not going to put them all on the screen because I just want you to listen um, to it. But he just basically says, um, that verse we've all heard, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it goes through, and it, at the end of it, it says, um, this was to demonstrate, no, I'll just read it. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation, propitiation basically a God-pleasing sacrifice, in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. And that word sins is key because it's, it's, it's the pattern of everything we've done and ever will do. But if you, if you continue on, right, you read through chapter 4, chapter 5, um, there's more plurality. It talks about offenses, sinners, sins. There's just this, this pattern. But then he, Paul writes about some stuff, and then he never says sins again. He just says the word sin. And it's, it's because... It's, very, it's because of what he's talking about. So he says, and I love this verse, um, Romans 5, 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet even for a good man someone will dare to die, but God demonstrates his love towards us, 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like these are words you can just sit on and try and understand. But he goes on, he says, much, um, much more than, no. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For we were enter- enemies um, when we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. And that phrase, I think, is, I mean, is huge. It's having been justified by his blood. And it's as if, um, if you read Romans, it's this, like, Q&A session. Paul is just writing this letter, and he asks a question, then he answers a question. Asks a question, then he answers a question. It's like, if you want to understand a huge amount of Christian doctrine, you just read Romans and Hebrews, because they just, everything's in there. Um, so he's, he's kind of trying to very methodically write it out. And so he, he talks about sins and offenses and kind of our failings, and then he talks about the blood of Jesus Christ, and then he just moves on. And he spends actually like a large amount of the time talking about the principle of sin. And so I, I really want us to, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't plan on spending a ton of time on the blood of Jesus Christ, although I will get back to it in a minute. I really want to talk about the body, because I feel like uh, for a lot of us, it's, it's kind of confusing. So, sins, justified by his blood, and then Romans 6 begins to really get into it. And he says, he's asked, he does his question, right? How, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, singular, uh, that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Singular. Or do you not know that as many as you were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, and this is huge, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Jesus, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Let me read that again. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, uh, Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through the baptism into death. And this is really the rub, isn't it? We read 2 Corinthians 5.17, Galatians 2.20, these verses that say that I have been crucified with Christ or I am hidden with Christ. And it, and, but if you ask like the majority of Christians, how, how are you in Christ? You died thousands of years ago. They go, uh, and it, these are seemingly simple things, but they're actually, uh, they seem difficult, but once you see them in the Bible, you're like, oh, that makes sense. And the great news is that it is God, right? Whenever we try to do something, it's not that great. But when God says, this is how I'm going to do it, it's done. Um, and so if you look in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 is like the identity chapter. It is sons, blessed with every spiritual blessing. It's just one thing after another after another. But it begins with this phrase, um, God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And that, that is to say that God saw everything would ever happen. He knew our failings. He knew our fall. He knew Adam's fall. And he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So basically, how are we in Christ? God just said, you guys are in Christ. Like, it's, it's not that complicated. But it, it is important to know that we, we, have to, we have to know that it was God's plan that we would be in Christ. And we have to trust that we are in him. And really, if you read through Ephesians 1, it says in him, in Christ, or 
some version of that like 18, 19 times. Maybe just over and over and over and over again. Uh, you read uh, John, and he's the guy who talks about abiding Christ more than anyone, right? The vine being in Jesus. Like that was the thing that he fixated on. Um, and yet he was the one who always talked about Jesus' love more than any disciple by far. So, of him are you in Christ Jesus, right? He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And really, if you think about it, and, and I've been, um, I do this thing. I buy a uh, big giant thing of grape juice and a big long thing of bread. And I found that if I buy the big thing of grape juice and I do communion every morning, like I have the runs like crazy because I, I just drink too much. Um, so I fi- figured out a place where you could buy little bottles of grape juice. So I have like a to-go communion that I take to work. And I don't do this every day, but I do it more often than, uh, than normal people. Um, and I get, because um, I want to get to the point where this is, the, this is fact in my life. And, um, and really, when we did baptism, right, many of us have been baptized, many of us will be baptized. What we're doing is we're celebrating the body in effect. We're saying that we were buried with Christ and we find our new life in Christ. We're testifying of what he's done on our behalf. It's great. Um, but every time we do baptism, I think this is what we want to do, is we want to celebrate the blood of Jesus Christ and how it has completely covered everything, but then also celebrate the body and the fact that we were included in Christ's re- death and resurrection, and we have found our hope, our peace, our joy, every good thing in what's already been done. So... If I could quick recap, right? Sins versus sin. There's a very definite um, delineation in Romans because he wants you to understand uh, what's been done um, and, and what truly needs to be done. And, and there's a finality uh, to the cross. I mean, I love the fact that Jesus said, it is finished. It's almost as if, if he hadn't said it is finished, he wouldn't have died. Like, he was, he was God. He had to literally say, I give in. But I think when he said, it is finished, he meant it in more ways than one, right? Because he knows everything that had been purchased. I think Hebrews 12, it's, I, I didn't um, look it up, but it says um, that he went to the cross despising the shame. Um, and I think that why, why would Christ uh, despise the shame if he hadn't lived a sinless life? Right? You, you're shameful for something you've done. Um, I am convinced that the shame Christ felt was the weight of our shame. Every, I mean, we were created not for any of that. And then on the cross, our sins are laid on his back. And he suddenly feels everything that was there. But it says that in the same verse, it said, but he went to the cross for the joy set before him. And if you're already one with God, which he says all the time, you're the son of God, like, what joy could there be? He's already, like, he's one with God. Like, you just don't get any better than that. He's not going to get any more stuff. So the joy set before him has to be us. Right? It has to be heaven full of beautiful people who are excited to be there. And so I think there's like such a heart behind 
um, the cross that, and there's such a like, it's just such good news. And for me, um, I don't mean to dwell on this too long, but I feel like um, God didn't, for some of us, it feels like God birthed us into Christianity, but then it's like, okay, now how am I going to do all of this stuff? How am I, I need to be better at this, and I need to be better at that. And I I truly believe that um, God meant for us to start life in a place of rest. I mean, this same uh, old Asian man that I read all his writings, he talks about the fact that um, they did not create, God did not create Adam and Eve on the second day. God didn't create Adam on the second day and then ask him to help him with his work. Adam was created on the last day and he started his day in rest, right? Sixth day, started his day in rest. And for us, we, there's very, it's almost like there's very little rest in a Christian life. And even relating to my last talk, right, I, I really wanted to get to the point that you are good enough right now. Your identity, what you've got is done on your behalf, who you are is good enough for God to use you for the, for the good work. And I think as we understand the cross and as we value communion, we spend more time um, thinking about what has been done uh, we're, when we're freed up from doing Christ's work, right, perfecting ourselves and making everything good, we're freed up to do the Lord's work. Suddenly we're able to do good things. We're able to just respond out of a place of peace. And um, really, I, I think that um, 80%, uh, if not all revelation, like that we get, should lead us to a place of further rest. Um, sometimes I'll get together with people and they'll say, I learned this, and so I'm going to do that. Um, and it's a, I feel like it's exhausting. And I, I don't truly believe that that's what um, God's always trying to get at. And I think that there's so many revelations to be had that just lead us to a place of rest. And so when we understand the cross, um, we spend some time, and uh, this message is, is intensely unique. You can't just listen to me wax spiritual about the cross and have it mean something. You literally have to do something. You have to just spend some time meditating on it. I mean, if you, if you, don't, if, if you haven't read some of the Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah 41, Psalm 22, um, and all the cross-references, these are all like places in the Bible where long before Jesus, uh, they described everything he would go through, every emotion, every feeling. It's, it's amazing. And so if you want to like connect with... Uh, Christ on the cross a bit more. Read Isaiah 41 and Psalm 22. Um, but yeah, are you guys with me? Is this getting a little too heavy? I, I've, I don't try, I, when I first started talking, I'd like write jokes into my talk, um, and I find that exhausting. And, and especially with stuff like this, like it's, it's, it's not hilarious, the cross, um, but it is amazing, and it is the most important thing. Um, so, I just have two more points. I don't even know if I had a first point. I just tend to, I'm trying, so Knopf is very like point, 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 like second point. It's amazing. I like to try and paint like a picture. If you get, just so that you get one thing um, out of the talk. So anyway, um, I'm not Knopf. Uh, why if the majority of Romans seemingly talks about the body, do we talk so little about the body, Right? Uh, Romans 1 through 3, maybe a bit of 4, talks about sins. After that, it talks about sin and the work of Christ uh, in the destruction of sin as a principle in our lives. Like, why do we not talk about it? It's it's almost as if 
I've, I've heard the last time I did communion in a church, um, they thanked uh, the Lord in prayer. You know, we're all praying together, and, and the pastor says, you know, thank you for your blood that's covered all our sins. And then when he goes to pray for the body, he thanks, he starts praying for healings in the church. Like, he doesn't, like, really address uh, the triumph we have in Christ in his body. That, uh, and you, you read the, um, the disciples, and they're, like, mocking death, and you can tell they're, like, excited about it. Like, death, where's your sting? And, they, like, they, they realize that this is, like, their power is understanding it all. And I think it's just because, uh, in practice, it's super hard to explain. Like, I was explaining it to my brother, and he, like, he works for Intel, and he asks intelligent questions. So his first question is, well, practically, I was like, ah, shoot, now i got to explain, like, nine other things. Um, but really, um, practically it's difficult to explain, and I'm going to attempt it. But also, the enemy um, attacks us like nobody's business. Because it's probably the easiest thing ever. Um, and I, I think this has happened to most people who have read Romans. You read Romans, it says, dead to sin. Um, you go out into your daily life, and you sin. And then Satan goes, dead to sin, huh? All right. And, it, 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 and he just mocks this idea in our lives. If you are so new, then why do you do this? If you're truly cleansed, why don't you look more like that person? So God is, and this is, each of these things, like this is really difficult. Each of these things should be a sermon in itself. But I really want to like paint a picture and get to a, like a, you'll, you'll get it at the end. But we're made up of three parts. God is a um, triune right? Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we are body, soul, and spirit. Is that right? Yeah. The body uh, is not going to heaven. So, sorry all you guys with abs. Um, <laughs> your, your body is just your body. It's not complicated. Um, most people get that. Um, your spirit is that which interacts with God. It is, it has been formed in such a way that it can receive, hear from the Lord, and, and, and just dwell in His presence. Your soul is basically the intermediary. And it's um, mind, will, emotion. And what has happened is that uh, in Christ, your spirit has been made new. Your body has not. And it's still useless. And what happens is that your soul just kind of is, is, it'll lean. It'll just follow whichever one's leading. Um, and for most of us, um, or not for most of us, there's a choice in life. And it's to walk in the Spirit or to be carnally minded. These are two Bible verses. If you Google those phrases, it basically says, walk in the Spirit. And it's, it's this idea that you have... You can live from your redeemed man, or you can live from your flesh. And so when you're, and, and it's one of those choices that you have in the morning, uh, that if you don't make a choice, it will be make, made for you uh, fairly quickly. And so this is the reason that, I, I never used to read my Bible in the morning, because I am uh, dumb in the morning, like I just don't commute th compute things, and uh, I'm exhausted. But... I've started to because I realized that um, I want to live uh, spirit-led. 
and this and this is I need to choose where I'm going to live from. And the other reason, and the other thing I've been doing is communion in the morning, um, with my little bottle and my giant piece of bread, um, and it's it's because this this is where I, I believe I want to live. And actually, um, we've all had these days, right? You get up in the morning, and uh, and you feel good. Listen to the worship music on the way to work. You get to work. And then it's an awful day. Everything is awful. Everything. There's poop on your desk. It's terrible. <laughs> and, then, and then from then on, it's negativity, it's fear, it's man-pleasing. It's, uh, and and you, just, you end up down this rabbit hole of um, numbing stuff out, and it just gets bad. Whereas when you wake up in the morning, um, and, and I love doing this, is I... I We'll just declare some, some of the truth of Christ. Uh, I usually, this is the beginning of my prayers. I just say, God, I, I thank you that you've created me this way, and I am this, and you have done this in my life. I have been established. You go before me. Your righteous right hand upholds me. You have favor upon my life, and you are the best thing that has ever happened in my life. I say all of these things. I get to work. There's poop on my desk. It doesn't matter. It, and... and um, Don't put that on Facebook. It's stupid. Um, but what I do want to get to is, is this, that we have a daily choice. Um, there's this other um, way of saying it. Um, John, these are not complicated verses, but that, John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It's like pretty self-evident. 1 Corinthians 15 says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Right? Oh, shoot. But thankfully, Jesus Christ has taken care of this issue. And we are saved by grace through faith in him. And, but if you continue reading in 1 Corinthians, it says that in Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. And if you read this 1 Corinthians 15, um, it refers, it doesn't just say Adam, it says first Adam um, or first man. Um, and it refers to Christ as second, uh, what does it say? Last Adam or second man. And it's almost as if uh, every morning I have a choice, Adam or Christ. And if you don't choose, it will be chosen for you. The, these verses that, um, I feel like I say them every time I talk. Uh, I do, in fact. But um, it's because I think that they're like key. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. And behold... Um, new things have come. I start my day there. Um, if anyone is in Christ, I'm like, well, God says I'm in Christ. Check. He is a new crea- he's a new creature. Well, the Bible says it. Check. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And I think about this thing. And then I, I go to work, um, and stuff comes up, and my natural reaction is to respond in my old man. Um, and I just decide not to. And it's not a willpower thing. It's an identity-based thing. Um, in fact, if you, if you think about communion, right, Jesus sat down with his disciples uh, before he went to the cross, and he, was, he taught them how to do communion. And he said, as often as you do this, um, in my name. The word often is there. And it's as if we do, we do communion like what? once uh, every three months at church. 
Um, but Jesus is often. And um, I think he was teaching us how to renew our mind. Because if we like, do this often, if we truly like, um, think about what the cross is and what he's done, th- it begins to change our lives. So, um, it's even like that, do not be, trans- or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The transformation comes when we renew our mind. And our mind is soul, right? So our mind, at the beginning of the day, could go either way, really. I could go body, I could go spirit. And, and you renew your mind. You go, no, th- the truth of Christ is this. It's this and this and this and this. And then it says you are transformed by that. So... Um, We only talk about our identity. It seems like we talk about our identity here a lot um, because it's like the good news, right? There's what Christ has done and then who we are as a result of what Christ has done. Um, But typically, we only talk about identity when our identity is challenged, right? You're having a good day. You don't even think about it. And then suddenly, all this crap comes in your way. Um, And then you go, no, 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 I'm this and I'm that. And right at the door of... Uh, temptation, you try to reassert who you are. Or right when you get um, to work and they make all sorts of lies about you, uh, it is at that point that you go, no, 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 I'm not that, I'm this. But if, if, we're, if we could get to a place where we are proactive, we are intentional, where we make choices before it's made for us, um, I feel like that's where transformation comes from. Eugene. Paul um, said, I die daily. Like, he's writing one of his letters, and he says, I die daily. There's two ways to take that. One, he's one of the disciples, so he was literally partially dying, like, every day. But the other way to take that is that he was putting himself in Christ every day. Which I love. I love that idea. I want to die daily. And then die and see Jesus. Um, and really, um, theology gets chosen for us if we don't make choices. Um, even like we're singing songs. Last week I had uh, Aaron Will play a song for me and then I shot underneath it. Um, and this time I'm going to do the same thing. Amazing Grace, right? It's a great song. It's, a, it's actually an amazing song. Um, but if you sing it so many times... Uh, it says, that saved a wretch like me. Um, I feel like there are so many Christians who live from that place. I am a wretch. I'm not worthy. Like, that's a sermon in itself. How many times in the Bible does it actually talk about Christians being unworthy? If you actually look it up, never. And the only place where it talks about unworthy, uh, prodigal son comes to the father and says, I'm not worthy to be in your house. And the father ignores him. Um, so what I want to do tonight is uh, take communion together. Um, but I want to say two things before we do it. The key to communion, um, like uh, baptism, is that the act of communion actually changes nothing in your life. 
you can't take communion and then a lot of people take communion and they leave feeling better like something's changed um you should feel better but not because anything's changed but because you are uh remembering um and our god is a god of remembrance there's i don't want to talk about it now but there are so many times in the bible where he just builds everything in such a way that uh, we would remember what he's done and um so as we take communion together, I, I think I'll have everybody come up, grab it, um, go back to their seat. And usually what we do is we separate into groups and just take it together. And I think uh, I'd like to do it together, pray together, and then take it together. Um, but there's one thing I do want to say, and it doesn't always get said in church, but um, the Bible actually says believers shouldn't take communion. Um, I don't fully understand it, um, but I... I it says that in doing so, you, you drink um, a cup of, uh, what was it? Yeah. A cup of, um, oh, I forget the verse now. Bible says don't do it. <laughs> and, and really, it's, it's, it, there's a safety in it. It says that you drink like basically a curse to yourself. Um, so if you're not a believer, that's great. Um, we're not going to judge you. Um, very few of us uh, popped out of the womb believing in Christ. Um, and, and so you'll figure it out as you go. Um, but Vikal's going to put some music on. Everybody come up. We got it on both sides. Grab it and head back to your seat, and then we'll, we'll take it together. So I'm just going to pray, and then we'll take each one separately. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for everything you've done for us. God, you're for your grace and your love that you sent your son to die on the cross for us and in doing so you've purchased for us uh, eternal hope, uh, peace. God, every good thing. And God, we, we remember um, we remember what Christ has done and we remember the blood and we thank you, Lord God, that has de- dealt with everything we've done, everything we'll ever do. And in doing that, he's, de- he's, he's made a way for us to be close to you. And God, we just have such a hope knowing that we do not have to establish our own righteousness. We don't have to try and be perfect. For God, what Christ has done is enough. And so in taking this together, God, we, we just agree together that it is enough. And we are satisfied and you are satisfied. And we can't wait uh, to celebrate these things face to face. But for right now, Lord God, we're just going to Take this together and just remember what you've done and celebrate the good news of the cross. So just take the cup if you have it. And Jesus, we thank you for, very specifically, the fact that you included us, that You took us to the cross and you felt our shame and you heard all our words and all our unworthiness and in the midst of all that, you looked at us with with love and you just, you took care of not what we've done but who we are. We are no longer of Adam. We no longer have to try and fight this. We just have to trust and renew our minds and walk in the, in the, the newness that you have purchased. Your body was enough, and we thank you that blood and body together 
deals with everything in entirety. And we can just walk out of here with hope and expectation and, and just happiness. So we, we're just going to take the bread together. So God, I, I thank you for everything. I thank you for the expectation that you've placed in our lives. Not only to know you someday, see you someday in heaven, but to walk with you daily here on earth. And that you've not just purchased for us uh, this new hope, but you have blessed us with your Holy Spirit. You've given us uh, intimacy. And God, we just love you. We love the intimacy you've given to us. And we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So I just praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. One of the things that I love about Sean and Mandy's marriage and the life actually that Sean lives with us um, in our community is that he's a man of covenant. That's a very powerful word. It's a word that means a lot to us. And sometimes when we come together, I loved it tonight that Sean had us um, take it together. Because so many times we come in as individuals and it's all about us. And we never learn that sometimes you need to realize your family, your brothers and sisters with people on either side of you. And when you walk in covenant, which Sean so powerfully described tonight, when you walk in covenant, there are times where your family and you do stuff together. And it's not about your independence. Our country was founded on independence. But it really works against us sometimes in the body of Christ because there are times where we have to come together and stand together. There are times that I do things I don't even want to do. Why? Because I belong to a family. Every time I help someone move, I'm doing family work. Because I'm long past the days where I love that. So I just want to encourage you. We're glad that you're here tonight. Thank you so much for being with us. You are part of a family. We do live by covenant here as uh, imperfect, broken people who are finding wholeness in Christ. Uh, The longer that you walk with him, the more powerful you'll understand the depth of your covenant and the connection and why communion means so much.